Welcome to Earth. Oh my god. Welcome, everyone, to another bonus episode of Flashback 64, the chronological Nintendo 64 podcast. I am Gooey, joined by McKenna. Hello. Hi, how you doing? (laughs) Hi, good. Uh, And we are here to, once again, take a trip off the path of the Nintendo 64, and we're going to talk about the movie Independence Day, which... We already sort of talked about it a little bit in our best of 1996 episode, but um, as we said in that, it was kind of a, it was kind of a big movie for both of us. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it wasn't my like favorite movie as a kid, but definitely one I thought was super cool and watched a lot. And and of course, it was a big one for you. And we thought we can dive a little bit deeper and talk more about the movie itself. You know, we we. Touched on it a little bit, but I think there's a little bit more that we can talk about. Um, but before we do that, uh, we do have we got a whole bunch of we got a bunch of reviews, comments, and things like that from uh, all over that we wanted to shout out. Uh, we definitely had to start to curate a little bit more. Like uh, I I don't have every YouTube comment that we got, but actually it's kind of <laughs> cool. People are also listening to the podcast on YouTube. Uh, which is pretty cool. So, yeah. First thing I want to do, uh, well, first thing we have here is actually a review from over on uh, just Apple Podcasts or whatever. Um, and of course, if you could go to whatever platform you're on and give us a review, we'll try to give you a shout out on the show. Uh, do you want to read it? Sure. Uh, from Nostalgia Powerhouse. The Nintendo 64 was my first console, and I recently started collecting old guides and games to add to my game room. I enjoy the references to what's going on during that time period. Fun, breezy, and enjoyable to listen to. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I actually think they're calling us the Nostalgia Powerhouse. Oh. I believe their name is Lover of the a... Arts. <laughs> Hear ye. I see. <laughs> or maybe I got it backwards. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, thank you, nonetheless. <laughs> I'm sure none of the neither of those are your actual name. So, <laughs> one thing I discovered is that we can have. There's a whole like thing for like Spotify for podcasters. They have a whole interface that I don't quite understand, and I don't know how to log into. <laughs> um, but one day I got an email that someone commented on one of our episodes. So I think we have a general poll over on Spotify that's just like, "What did you think of the episode?" And uh, Andrew Kennedy left a comment and said, I had never played these games, but I'm into it. Looking forward to 1080 and Turok. So thank you. If you're Go do that on Spotify if you want. I, I'll probably get an email uh, about it, and I'll go figure out how to log back in. <laughs> um, we also have one. This, so this is a YouTube one uh, from our old pal Anubite, who has, has caught up to the show uh, since uh, launching and... I took this one because it kind of encapsulated, like, uh, the first run of our show. But uh, he said, 1996 was a great prologue to this N64 retrospective. I can't wait to find out about games I never really thought about or only saw at the video store. Uh, Never touching it. Hype for 1997. So, yeah, we're here uh, in in our actual 
catalog of N64 games. We're moving on to 1997, but we're taking mm-hmm. another dip back into 96. Um, okay, do you want to read this one? This is a very, yeah. a very okay, cool and fun. Must be the the title of the review. Yeah, so we're figuring out <laughs> from, where they're from. Boomerang slash is that how it? That's the yes, the boomerang person. slash. <laughs> Uh, good, honest looks back at a different time in gaming with a fresh perspective. Great host and excellent production. Thank you. Uh, I also pulled this other YouTube comment. I believe this is also from our fine patron Scurvy Scurvo. Uh, <laughs> I, I think. <laughs> um, uh, but the YouTube, the way YouTube has their usernames now is confusing. Yeah. Um, but Scurvo said, and this you can get this information too in our discord uh because he shared some of the clips that he's referring to over in our discord so check the description and come join there's fun stuff in there but he said hey uh love the pod um for the mario kart 64 episode fun fact about that the japanese and american versions have different voices for some characters some of those voices were used in mario party for the n64 uh which i definitely noticed that in the clip that was shared i uh, the Toad voice I specifically specifically remember they used for Toad in uh, Mario Party on the menus, and he's like "Yahoo" and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But those were <laughs> those are really uh, weird to listen to. I don't, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to that, but mm, yeah, I haven't yet. Yeah, it's it's definitely weird. Um, and I'm, and some of them are like, why are they different? Why'd they get a different guy to go? Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, one last one. From uh, a commenter we got over on YouTube uh, from Infection Form, who said, I just discovered this podcast ever after Gooey mentioned it in his most recent Legend of Zelda playthrough video and have binged the whole thing, already looking forward to more. I really appreciate the historical context you set up for each episode, as well as the autobiographical segments as well. It really gets me in the nostalgia mode, remembering my first experiences with the console back in the 90s keep up the great work guys so thank you thank you yeah thank you for coming over from my youtube uh where i am diving into (laughs) all of the dungeons in the legend of zelda series go over to that uh gooey fame on youtube and check that out and also thank you uh in infection form came in and became a patron right away and i actually I have a list of our, our patrons here that we want to thank, our good buddies. Do you do you want to read off the names? Sure. Uh, infection Form. <laughs> Golly Rogers. Ooh. Nico. Our, uh, our lovely uh, audio our <laughs> music theme music writer. Music master, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, NintyFan87, who That's is Skirvo Skirvo. again. Yeah. Different names all over the yeah. place. <laughs> uh, Adriel. Paul slash Quaid and Kai. Yes. So thank you all for uh, supporting us. We do have a Patreon now for people who are listening. Uh, you can go over and we just have one tier that's for a buck. We don't really have much to give right now. We we just have we have a special role on our Discord and like a chat that's pretty fun that we've got this group here and me and McKenna are in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we just posted we're going to do some bonus episodes and we're going to do like uh some of the things we're going to do in it is a Q&A that we're going to be getting questions from our patrons. So if you want to ask us a question uh, that we'll answer on these episodes, uh, you can go sign up for only a dollar 
and uh yeah we we appreciate everyone who does it it's a it's a big help mm-hmm. so what do you say shall we go over to our our main subject of the day let's do it it's the real thing a radio signal from another world our intelligence tells us the object has settled into a stationary orbit Part of it is broken off into nearly three dozen other pieces. Smaller than the whole, sir. The unexplained phenomenon is headed for Moscow. That's like a chess. First, they're positioning the pieces, using this one signal to synchronize their efforts. And then what? Checkmate. There's going to be a lot of frightened people out there. Yeah, I'm one of them. We will not vanish without a fight. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. Something you want to add to this briefing, Captain Hiller? No, sir. Just a little anxious to get up there and whoop E.T.'s ass, that's all. We're talking about Independence Day, which came out uh, around, I believe, the 4th of July holiday uh, mm-hmm. in 1996. Uh, it's directed by Roland Emmerich, and it's written by him and his uh, and the producer, who is like they're kind of a a duo, uh, they've worked together on many films. Him and uh, Dean Devlin is his name, and it stars Will Smith, Bill Pullman, Jeff Goldblum, Mary McDonald, Judd Hirsch, Margaret Collin, Randy Quaid, Robert Loggia, James Reborn, and Harvey Firestein, and many more. Um, yes, it was a, it was a massive hit movie as we talked about the number one movie of 1996 uh before we we like talk about anything that happens in it i i know we talked about how you like disaster movies and Mm -hmm. you like alien movies and this is kind of both of them Mm -hmm. married together but um what i i actually think that's a that's a genre or like a type of movie that roland emmerich himself has uh done quite a bit of are you a fan of his other movies or do do you i i did see i was i was looking at some of the other ones he did Mm -hmm. uh day after tomorrow right yeah yeah that one yeah i like that one um what's the other there's a few others um that are Uh, like in that well so i mean i think we'll probably talk about it but uh, the, just the year after this, he did the Godzilla, like the uh, the American one mm-hmm. with Matthew, Matthew Broderick. I actually haven't watched that all the way through. I've seen parts of it, but I've never watched the whole thing. That, more so than this, was a massive movie for me mm-hmm. as a kid. So I, I, I actually want to save talking about that because I, mm-hmm. I have a strong feeling we will. Right. Um, but he also did... So other movies of that ilk, he did um, 2012. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that one. Uh, <laughs> that one's uh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So y- you're like vaguely aware of some and you liked uh, The Day After Tomorrow? Yeah. I, okay. Uh, I've seen that quite a few times. I feel like I had. Okay. I think I got that actually as like a, a DVD set. I think that and. Uh, Independence Day are on the set or in the set. Oh, okay, sweet. Yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, the Emmerich set. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, for me, I mean, some of these movies were pretty massive. Like just when I, from when I was a kid, I'm a, I'm a fan of some of 
his movies. Um, I know he made like a bunch, like a handful of movies. Um, in he's from Germany before coming mm-hmm. to Hollywood, but uh, I am actually a fan of his two Hollywood productions before this. Like, so basically, his first two movies in America come before this, and there one is one he just directed. So I think he it, it's his first one in America, and he just got. They just gave him a you know a movie to make, and it was Universal Soldier, which stars um, Jean Claude Van Damme, and uh, he, and uh, it's uh, your classic kind of uh, you know Van Damme movie. Uh, he's with against Dolph Lundgren, who's the villain. It's it's awesome, mm-hmm. uh, but that's not one. I don't know. I don't know what Dean Devlin's role was on that. I know Roland mm-hmm. Emmerich didn't write it. You see a lot of his movies they write together. But mm-hmm. then his second Hollywood film was Stargate, which they wrote together and worked on. And that was like a pretty big hit. And that's a movie I really like, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it led to the show and being just a, a massive sci-fi franchise. So this I feel like this movie is their like this is almost like his magnum opus <laughs> in mm-hmm. a way, because then after that, there's a lot of baggage like I liked. So I liked this, and then those other two movies I, I liked more as an adult. Like, I, mm-hmm. I only saw Universal Soldier again a few years ago. and um, But then Godzilla I loved as a kid. But then once I, when I started to become of a certain age, like, The After Tomorrow I just kind of missed, and I sort of had in my head that it, it's sort of just this, what people say about really all of his movies and and 2012 in particular where it just just seemed like like crass like disaster nonsense cg bullshit i guess but i haven't actually like seen them so i don't know for sure i did see uh that 10,000 bc he made that movie i saw that when it came out but i also don't really remember anything about it I recognize the title, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure what it what it is about. It's a well, other than it's very it, it's about that <laughs> ten thousand BC. I don't know. It's like a about ti- a, a time it's period. It's about a guy. <laughs> then I don't know. It's like a you know. Well, whatever. But yeah, so I kind of have always had like since uh, reaching adulthood had this opinion of like all his movies are just kind of like dumb, like. Smat explosions and whatever you know kind of like they say about like like michael bay or something but more for the disaster category mm-hmm. and i think there's there is definitely some like truth to that even in this movie like this movie's kind of like dumb uh <laughs> in a lot of ways but it's like i feel like it's lightning in a bottle like a lot of things coalesce into something that's like so awesome Mm-hmm. Uh, that that it's like it's only through like it's just like it got, all the right elements had to be aligned because I think mm-hmm. um, well t- like something about those we'll, we'll get into it but I think something about those other movies that doesn't do it for me is like well for one it's like you look at the it's the, the star power for one I think really elevates this movie to another level but there's a lot of great things going on in this movie so um I have some I have some production notes uh, or like details on how it was made. Um, we watched all these featurettes 
Mm-hmm. And like little documentaries about how it was made. Did you have a favorite one that we watched? There was one with Jeff Goldblum. There was one there that was, was like one. I, I, <laughs> I kind of liked the the E one, but just because of Bill Pullman. Bill Pullman, yeah, <laughs> he's so goofy. He was being goofy. Uh, Jeff Goldblum was being. I goofy mean, he's too. always. Go- I expect <laughs> um, him to be goofy. But <laughs> Yeah, but in all of these, actually, they had the same story they were talking about that I feel like by the time we got to the one that was the made during the sequel, like, they embellished the story more and more. But basically, the idea was, like, during the promotion for um, Stargate, they asked them, like, how could you make a movie about, like, aliens or whatever <laughs> if, if you don't really, like, believe in aliens? And there's some story where it's like, oh, imagine if... Like, you woke up one day, and there was a giant spaceship or whatever, and, and you know, I don't know, their mm-hmm. story gets more elaborate, but basically, I mean, that that's kind of, it, it almost sounds like it was, like, on a whim. They're like, yeah, that's a good idea for a movie, big sp- space mm-hmm. invasion. Um, And they wrote it, I, I, I read that they wrote it, like, on, a, on vacation in Mexico, yeah. like, real quick or something. <laughs> so, and that, it really does have a, just like, yeah, you know, it's a... I, I like watching them talk about all the effects particularly all the miniatures mm-hmm. that they did and like the explosions they did that was a big part of all of them um i think the one the one there's two they really showed off that i thought were really cool one was the one of like the city streets being blown up mm-hmm. and how they had to sort of like build this scale city model that was rather large and, and detailed to, and detailed and to get like the flames to go a certain way they had to like tip it like mm-hmm. elevate it and tip it so like the way the fire would spread yeah cuz it the explode like it starts at the bottom of their little miniature and goes up yes and so <laughs> it creates this you know you see it in the movie and it it, it creates this effect of like the fires just mm-hmm. burning through the city, which looked yeah. really sweet. Uh, and then the other big thing that they showed off, uh, that they, they made like a whole like press situation out of is they invited a bunch of people to come watch them blow up the White House, which the model they built that for was that really cool. <laughs> was pretty big too. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's... That, that's something that, that's one of the things I think is a key to this movie is... um. You know, there's definitely like a lot of there, I there's a lot of like um, the mi- mixing of different elements of like CG and practical effects and stuff like this, and I feel like mm-hmm. the fact that like they really blew things up though, really, mm-hmm. <laughs> is really what adds. It looks really to, good. It does look really good. <laughs> like obviously, there's like there's stuff that it's not even like. I, I think I, I say this a lot on other movie podcasts, but I think it's viewed as a negative when you can tell that something is like CG or something like that. And and that's why, I mean, just to briefly jump ahead, when we were watching the sequel, I was saying like, this is the definition of like, kind of like gray sludge movies yeah. where everything is so muted and toned down now. There's no like depth and it, it makes like things look like they stick out less. But that to me also means like nothing pops either, you know, 
Yeah. So, so we were watching the footage of like in the original Independence Day of the city streets blowing up, which look cool, but you also it it has this weird effect too when they're inserting people on the backdrop of this miniature exploding where you know, it doesn't look necessarily real or whatever and and there's that ridiculous dog <laughs> jumping out of the way shot. I love it. But I think yeah, I think it looks general like genuinely dynamic, like it pops, you know, it's exciting, you know. I think you mm-hmm. compare that to uh later attempts at the same sort of thing, even the sequel in the movie and it just doesn't, you know, it's just not it's kind of boring. Mhm. <laughs> Definitely doesn't capture me <laughs> the same way. Yeah, it's almost like a, I found myself with that one more pat just passively watching, like, okay. Um, how about I wanna talk about the um the alien designs, which mm-hmm. were designed by the production designer uh <laughs> I don't know Patrick Titopoulos, which I'm glad I got right. Um here's a fun fact actually. Uh Matthew Broderick's character in Godzilla, his last name is Totopolis. Wow. And there's a running gag in the movie that no one can pronounce it wow. right. And now I was like reading this on screen. They named him after this guy, and I'm like, oh no, I'm gonna mess it up. <laughs> but I love this quote. Um, there's a lot of quotes like this that are like I wanna say they're telling, but I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily. But uh there, here's one I have is they wanted him to design something that's both familiar but completely original. Mm-hmm. And I think what they were thinking was like these the aliens in this movie is like in my opinion you combine and they say this the gray alien which i think is the you know the classic gray type alien that like mm-hmm. you know you're thinking of like in the x-files or whatever that that Mulder makes a joke about in the you know they're actually this cool. anyway <laughs> uh that mixed with the completely original part is that they're inside you know this other exoskeleton mm mm-hmm. mhm but that's also familiar too, because to me it just reminds me of the xenomorph. Yeah. Though so you you do have like the the one guy is he's in a suit basically. Yeah, basically. It's, and like underneath, you know, the actual alien is very vulnerable. Hmm. They will we'll see that come up again in uh, Men in Black, uh, somewhat. But so. But, but, <laughs> But at the same time, like, they do look, it does look really cool. Both the, mm-hmm. like, I, uh, like, one alien design that always stuck out to me, like, was memorable since seeing it as a kid was, like, the one who's just, like, working the the ones and twos up in the mothership. <laughs> that yeah. they're kind of, I always remember that one. And it's very striking. And then, like, mm-hmm. obviously the big, like, armored exoskeleton ones do, like, the, the actual, like, shape of their bodies, uh... I don't know. They're they're pretty sweet. They're pretty badass. Mm-hmm. When we were watching that one video of, like the the toys of them, I was like, yeah, yeah. these do look like I wouldn't mind having one of these. <laughs> they <laughs> yeah, look pretty cool sweet. Again. But but they do. I don't know. They do. It does. Like I said, I don't necessarily think it's bad, but it does feel like they they mashed up like already existing kind of designs. I don't want to take away from their their mm-hmm. work or anything though. But uh, it's very yeah, reminiscent. You yeah. certainly look at it and go, that's an alien. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the score for the film, done by David Arnold, who has done, uh, I think, mainly his like his biggest stuff. He's done a ton of films, but he's done five Bond films, multiple Roland Emmerich films, 
a ton more. Uh, I believe he got a Grammy for this score to this film. Yeah. Uh, and this is another quote that I thought, it's not telling, actually, that's not the right word, but it it perfectly captures, I think, the tone of this and kind of how I think they were thinking of it, where they were they were trying to capture every last ounce of stereotypical Americana he could muster uh, for the script. And I think that vibe, especially mm-hmm. when I think of it's set to the president's speech later in the film, like mm-hmm. that's it, the movie's like, I think it's semi, it's very aware of like the, you know, it's trying to capture kind of the, the silliness and the, and the grandiosity of it a little bit. Uh-huh. Like, in a way that I like, it's it's like it's self aware, but it's not like winking at itself. You know what I mean? It's, it feels very yeah. I don't know. It walks that line, I think, really fine well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so we saw that this was one of the first big like Super Bowl commercial advertisements, and they I think from here on out, this kind of set the standard for like. Uh, how they were going to advertising movies like starting at the Super Bowl going forward. They had a lot of cool like teaser trailers for it and stuff uh, that were, you know, they were, they had they had a cool vibe, obviously. And uh, they also did um, a co-promotional deal with Apple. I don't know if you recall, obviously, Jeff Goldblum's computer and mm-hmm. the thing is an Apple. And uh, they... They had like a special deal with them as well as they had the toys we saw. There's a lot mm-hmm. of product placement going on in this. Molson, Coors, Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. Uh this is a this was just a massive movie on all fronts. So um Oh, and here's some of the taglines. Here's some of the taglines they promoted with the movie. It was uh we've always believed we weren't alone. On July 4th, we'll wish we were. <laughs> <laughs> uh Earth, take a good look. It could be your last. And don't make plans for August. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> um, yes. And so they also... There there was... Um, I think there was some advertisement I wrote down that they, they were referencing um, War of the Worlds. Or no, that was the... We listened was, to the... Yeah, they did. Well, there are some... There are definitely some more of the world's uh, references in the movie, but I think one yes. of the... I don't... Did the radio broadcast come out before the movie, or... I don't believe so. As part... Well, it's sort of a prom- cross-media promotional sort of thing. They, yeah. They did, like, a, a British uh, radio broadcast that they're basically talking about like the, the ships coming and like their experience and I guess wherever I I guess the London yes the, the ship that comes to London and they acted like it was a regular radio broadcast much yes. like War of the Worlds yeah um I thought that was fun to listen to until like they blew up and then it yeah it, it was a little jarring because then I was just like oh now it's not like. So it switches. To yeah, it just switched to like the military uh-huh. element of it. And it was then more of like a radio play. And the one thing I read actually was that like part of the deal was like, well, they can't like do anything. They It was stipulated like they couldn't have them do too much because they didn't want to like undercut the movie. 
Mm-hmm. So the story we were listening to was really they were just like they saved the Queen of England. Yeah. It's like great, <laughs> cool. <laughs> so that was a little that was not too exciting, but um to talk about the movie, I thought that we could I just kind of wrote, wrote down some of the people in the cast. I don't want, I don't want to go like we we all know what happens in the movie. <laughs> um so well i do want to talk about the beginning of the movie or sure, like the sure, first yeah. like stretch because i i love it i feel like there's so many movies where they spend the first bit just like introducing the characters and like they're going about their normal lives mm. but this like starts like with the with event the, yeah yeah they get the the signal that they're all hearing and then, and then you start getting introduced to the characters who are somehow like, involved with this almost as signal. needed. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's just like you're getting more and more information about the aliens, and then you're meeting all the characters, and the, the intensity just keeps ramping up, and it's just, like right from the beginning, and it just goes. I think this is very common. Like, this has become more common now, especially, I mean, I think he probably did it in all his movies almost after this, but, um, and we sort of talked talked about to each other, I've mentioned, uh, like, how they're, like, a lot of, um, zombie movies, like, like to do the thing where they just want to set you in it, and it's like, what's going on? And I think that's, goes back to their initial, like, idea of what the, like, when they were like, imagine this, is they were, they were talking about like just imagine waking up one day and you know these aliens are here so i think that's credit to like the vibe they were trying to convey in this movie is like that's really just what happens is like the world is going about its business like it does and but here you know like they're here they're they're doing their thing Mm -hmm. so yeah that that is very cool and it has all these characters and one thing that i think is cool is they kind of introduce them and they all they all sort of bring them together at some point mm-hmm. in a very satisfying way which is says a lot about like like it doesn't none, none of it feels kind of like forced or anything mm-hmm. and i think that they do a really good job of like handling the sort of ensemble sort of movie you know what i mean yeah um so yeah you want to talk about some of the people in the movie we can get, i, I want to kind of get your feeling on the actor or the character or whatever I guess you wanna wanna add in from them. I sort of went from I don't know. I, I guess you could say least important. I wanted to start <laughs> off with so we're gonna start let's talk about Brent Spiner as Dr. Uh Oaken. Um what did you <laughs> So like this was my first exposure to Brent Spiner. Okay. And like yeah. much later saw him in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. For a while, he was just like this, this goofy guy mm-hmm. <laughs> that he saw for a little bit, and like, all right, he's a little odd. Yeah, <laughs> he's a pretty. He feels like a pretty small part of the movie. Just kind of this goofy. Yeah, he does like. He stands out as like goofy. He's not like yeah extremely over the top. He is more mm-hmm. so in, uh, the sequel. Mm-hmm. I feel like. I feel like in that too, it's like they're with all the characters. It's like they're really, I don't know. It's just a tendency I think with sequels to like everything's got to be like whatever it was times two, you know. So I definitely feel like when I saw it, 
when I was younger, I thought he was a little crazier than I do now. Mm-hmm. Now yeah, I'm yeah. like, now it's like, uh, all these people are learning about the aliens and they still think that the people who knew about the aliens before are crazy. Like they just yes. don't like, they're not like, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. You were right. Mm-hmm. This is more specifically with a different character I will get to. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's still like memorable and like kind of a funny, goofy character, uh, but you know he plays he plays an important role in the movie and mm-hmm. uh, a very me- obviously memorable role. Yeah. Um, Harvey Firestein Firestein as uh, Marty Gilbert, who's <laughs> that's another smaller role, but that's Jeff Goldblum's coworker. Um, I don't know. I just I thought he was fun in this. Yeah. Little part that he had. They have a nice, like, you know. He's definitely one of the the characters that kind of makes the movie board around like camp a little. Yeah, he's goofy. Uh, he's some. Of, <laughs> he's one of the characters too that have to kind of like up the stakes a little bit. Yeah, which I don't. I didn't write him down, but um, so it's like Harry Connick Jr. Yeah, uh, Will Smith's like buddy mm-hmm. in it or whatever. He's one of those sort of characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, I I feel like too just like we're we're far down the list of like main characters in the movie, and like even these people are still very memorable. You know. So I think that says a lot about, uh, I th- I think that's the other, that mm-hmm. as well as like, I think this being just like the right period of time with, in terms of the effects, I think it's like, that's what, that and the cast, I feel like is why this is such like a lightning in a bottle thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, he has like a line about calling his lawyer. I was like, this is one of the many movies that made me think that as an adult, everyone just had a lawyer on call. Uh-huh. <laughs> Lawyers was such a, like, such a joke. I feel like isn't as much anymore. There's definitely, like, the evil lawyer thing going on. Like, with, uh, they have it in Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Where he, the lawyer is kind of, you know, not the bad guy, but he's sort of antagonistic. Even though he's... <laughs> there for good reasons <laughs> i don't know if you remember in suburban commando that hulk hogan movie oh, with, uh, oh with, um <laughs> where there's those guys who are like those thugs who he's like gonna beef with and i forget he's like oh you're gonna fight me or something and they're like no this is the 90s we're gonna sue you that was a big thing oh, i've heard that and then also in uh we were watching that clip of when Danny DeVito dies in Mars Attacks. His character is a lawyer. Mm, yeah. And he's like, yeah. you're going to need a lawyer if you're going to take over the world. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, lawyer humor. Always good. Um, let's. OK, I'm, I'm excited about James Reborn, who played Albert Nabzitsky. He's like the um, he's is like the CIA guy. S- oh, like, not the, the not guy the general, named... but the see the suit the suit. He's the guy, uh, from my cousin Vinny the... as well. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, the the guy who's like the White House. Is he? A... He's like he's well, like a he's the CIA. Is like you know trying to, like he knows about a lot right, of the stuff. Right. Yeah, I I love him. Obviously, he's like one of my type of character actor guys. I like, mm-hmm. and uh, he, I think he was trying to portray him. I read based on uh. Uh, Oliver North, who was involved in like Iran Contra, and <laughs> so I thought that was kind of cool. Like he does play a really good like 
shady uh mm-hmm. uh intelligence agent mm-hmm. um you know and, and it's a this is it's like the right like level that they're going for in this where it's like like he's shady but like well-meaning you know they're not gonna fully portray him like mm-hmm. like some of the uh, like people he's based on you know so yeah. but just props to the this character the actor he's james reborn he's he's awesome Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, him and uh, I. I guess they have him har- higher because they have him uh, higher on the on the the list. But uh, was it General Gray by played by Robert Loggia? Uh huh. Also, another th- that's one thing I love about these sort of movies, like um, <laughs> these this well, all these sort of movies where you have like all the different heads of like the department's budding head like they have the army guy and the CIA guy and then like the scientists you know I, uh so that's always a fun dynamic in these but i thought dude he was a classic like general mm-hmm, character definitely yeah pretty cool um now let's get into let's talk about Vivica A Fox who played uh Jasmine Debro who is uh uh Will Smith's uh future wife I, or gbm's yeah, wife in the movie yeah i, um, I love her <laughs> yeah yeah she's cool um, i think uh her portrayal is really cool i i love the scene where she's talking to the the first lady and she's telling her that she's a dancer mm-hmm. and uh you know she's like oh uh ballet and she's like no exotic and the first lady says sorry and she goes i'm not yeah it pays the bills like yeah that's not something i'm ashamed of Mm -hmm. yeah there was like that was a cool element they like you know it was played into will smith's character as well Mm -hmm. they were talking about how like like his association with her was gonna hold his career back you know he wanted to be like Mm -hmm. an astronaut or something and you know and and he doesn't care you know so that that kind of makes him even more we'll talk Mm -hmm. about will smith more but it's like (laughs) i don't know i i I don't know if it's he, it's like a heroic element about him I guess that he's you know he's just a great he's a great guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um let's see Margaret Collin as Constance Spano um which is sort of a um why am I blanking on Jeff Goldblum's <laughs> name by his uh his love interest. His, yeah. I feel like everyone's got to have a love interest in these movies like um, it's another part yeah. of the. It's another facet of the. That I think. Turns... Well, this is an interesting one because they're like they're separated. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, these. I don't know where she is in the sequel. Uh, you know, it's he's like, got someone. Well, it's just like she probably didn't come back for it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, all these. I think these movies kind of the big bombastic romantic movies. Everyone's mm-hmm. gotta have a love interest. I feel like her character is pretty good in this but it's compared to like some of the other ones it does feel a little bit i don't know how you feel but i feel like it's a little bit more like yeah this is the it's just sort of like the love and yeah. they had a good like dynamic i thought yeah and stuff. i don't know it felt like they needed a a connection for jeff goldblum to the president uh yeah 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 it serves it's a, just, a yeah, function it's a plot yeah. <laughs> yeah i guess that makes sense yeah um okay Let's talk about uh, Randy Quaid, because I think uh, like you were referenced this character earlier, mm-hmm. but I thought 
his character is an awesome part of this movie is like yeah one of the one of the best parts uh both like both like ridiculous and i don't know like the way i don't know carries a lot of weight it's definitely again in the more like rah rah like it's like almost silly americana like uh Mm -hmm. I don't know, like, a lot of the movie reads, like, uh, vague propaganda, you know what I mean? Uh, but his character really... I don't know, what did, what did you think about him? It, he's really interesting, because, you know, he's you first meet him as, you know, he's supposed to be watering. He's got his, his crop... Yeah, crop duster. Duster, and he's an alcoholic, so he's... Uh, making a lot of mistakes and he goes to the wrong field and he's kind of portrayed as just this irresponsible guy mm-hmm. who has this crazy alien abduction story and then you know when the aliens actually come to invade he's the one who seems to know what he's doing he, mm-hmm. he like gets his shit together and he's like alright we're gonna yeah. we're gonna go we're, he- we're- <laughs> I know how to survive somehow. they say he's got like He's got like PTSD mm-hmm. from Vietnam or whatever. Mm-hmm. I th- that that plays into I think part of the like, because you know the like, th- the movie does a lot of things. I think it's very successful <laughs> at this, but it it has that sort of element like we talked about of like oh we're all just people like the whole earth we can come together, but it also feels like like american propaganda in a weird way just i think it's just the tone that they capture but i feel like this is a more specific one where like he represents kind of like at the time too like uh that that feeling of like how people felt about vietnam and wanting Mm -hmm. to like move on from it and his character almost represents that Mm -hmm. uh i think but there's something uh, you know, if it is that, like, it's, 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 it's so, it's so damn good at it. Cause like, when I see him later in the movie and he's all clean shaven and he's like in his <laughs> suit and he's listening to the speech, like, I, I always tear up a little bit where I'm like, yeah, yeah, they got like, he's, he's ready to go, you know? Yeah. And they actually changed what happened with his I character. Did... Yeah. Like the last scene. Yeah. So he, well, I, I also read about some deleted scenes oh, with okay. like his son. So mm. you know there's that one spot where his younger son like they pull over cuz he's he's like I'm going to be sick. Yeah. And he goes and throws up. That's cuz he's like um like not like terminally ill but like I guess serious like he has some kind of brain thing or something. Mhm. Um he's taking medication for and uh i think probably those scenes explain a lot of the older brother's frustrations with him Mm -hmm. because he's like i have to go beg for the younger brother's medicine because you can't afford it oh okay yeah Yeah. it, it i think it gives a little more context but oh i see well they changed his ending as well so he originally like took his biplane up Mm -hmm. and i guess and he like straps a rocket to it and does the same thing i think but uh people i guess people in tests they're like very conscious of the test screenings and they thought that Mm -hmm. was too ridiculous uh which you know it's it's also ridiculous that i think that he can they can train someone who is a 
pilot in Vietnam how to use like a you know mm-hmm. something to like 20 years later or whatever like a fighter jet I don't know maybe I don't know I don't know anything about yeah, it's believable it in the changed. right in this world of the movie I'm not mm-hmm. even trying to question that but I think it actually makes his like his character arc stronger for me because he still has like that heroic moment at the end where he mm-hmm. blows up the the thing the beam or whatever but like it also makes it feel like he like he's fighting alongside them in the end i felt like that like mm-hmm. like it was very important for me when i saw him like or like in my takeaway of like my emotional reaction to it seeing him there like as part of the you know part of the force you like know accepted and, yeah finally i mean they still <laughs> think he's kind of a yeah, wacko but yeah. It's unclear whether he was abducted. You know, I don't think he was, so. Yeah. <laughs> but I like that's, his character. That's nice that they keep that vague. Yeah. Unclear. And it's cool that, like, he's, like, kind of insane now in real life. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shout out. I think that was, like, the first thing. When I first saw that movie, <laughs> he came up, my mom was just like, yeah, he's crazy now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's living the gimmick, as they say. Um, Should we mention the, the special effects of that explosion? Oh There's yeah, a, that this was is really cool. Really cool. Yeah, they like reuse um, the Empire. Is it State the Empire? Build, yes, building. the Empire State Building explosion. They like flip it upside down. upside down for uh, when he goes up to when he flies his ship into their laser and blows up the alien ship. Yeah, it's, it's like, like the same like, explosion, but upside down. Yeah, super cool. <laughs> and it looks really good yeah. as well in the movie. So, yeah, that was really awesome. And you also, actually, before we go into the other people, you talked about, like, his son. But there's a lot of, like, kids in this that I didn't really mm-hmm. put down. But, like, that was actually, for me, watching as a kid. Like, I know they do this a lot and they, like, it has varying degrees of success but like watching as a kid it did actually kind of that and also like just seeing and like seeing like i i could kind of picture myself in that in in that movie when i was a kid you know it felt mm-hmm. very real so i think it does do a good, with all the different types of characters and stuff kind of being like an all-encompassing mm-hmm. movie where like a lot of people can imagine like what they must yeah what you would be experiencing while this Uh is happening you know so judd hirsch who plays julius who's um uh the father of jeff goldblum Mm -hmm. uh obviously a really iconic iconic character in this uh he's he's based on the writer's uncle he said I, i don't remember but uh he's i don't know he's just like a really he's like almost like a like a comedic character because he's sort mm-hmm. of like his like nagging father or whatever but yeah yeah like they they have said that him and jeff goldblum i think have a really good you know back and forth in this yeah and he of course gives him the the special <laughs> the virus <laughs> that's one element so like they they're like there's no way we can break these alien shields to fight them uh which another thing actually about the production design i just think the alien ship design is really cool like Mm -hmm. and how they do it like it's like a mother ship and then there's like uh almost like uh carriers that break off from that and then Mm -hmm. smaller ships like fighter ships that come off from that i think that's really cool like i imagine this 
massive ship right. like flying around the universe or whatever you know mm. um very very cool like design concept but yeah the uh so the the virus thing yeah that's like one of the big war of the worlds references oh it is yeah because in in war of the worlds that's how they defeat the aliens mm. they find out like you know humans can handle you know a lot of viruses because we're used to them but the aliens immune systems couldn't mm. handle like some of the simple colds that's so, like in science too so uh yeah they're not they're not built for <laughs> they this. can't yeah they're earth is no bueno um okay so they kind of so, they turned it into a it seems, computer virus. Yeah, which seems like it's fine. It's it's so much more novel, I think, at the time at that time now though, because of our understanding of computers. Because it's like, mm -hmm. um, that feels like something that if you did that now, they'd have to be like, well, yeah, we we hack like that'd be like step yeah. one of what you would yeah. think of is like hack them and and right. wreck their computer. But they act like it's such a big, like, oh, uh, uh, mm -hmm. he says the word virus. And Jeff Goldblum's yeah. like, why didn't I think of that? You know, it's just, right. it doesn't, it's not really like, it doesn't affect the world of this movie. It's more of like, I mean, it makes sense at that time, I guess. Like, mm -hmm. that's the most genius thing you could think of on mm -hmm. a computer is to hack them and put in a virus. But it works really well in the movie. Obviously, he's like, just like, it's because it comes out of his whole, like, thing he's doing to him the whole time he's like when is he like get off the ground you're gonna get get you cold yeah. or whatever you know he's just nagging him some more so um all right so we can talk about let's let's combine let's talk about mary mcdonald as the uh the first lady and bill pullman as the president mm -hmm. um i thought the the casting actually um for her as the first lady is really funny because i believe in the Battlestar Galactica show, she plays the president. Oh, <laughs> so wow, that's pretty cool. Um, but uh, what, yeah, what do you think of? I I think she. It's another case where like I feel like she was like like felt like pretty real as a character, but she was mm -hmm. a little bit more ancillary. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, she the kind of try i don't i think the only scene that those two have together yeah the only scene that they actually have physically together they do they do talk on the phone mm -hmm. but it's when she's dying yeah um but they kind of set it up that they they have like this seems like they have this nice strong relationship and she's always going liar yeah <laughs> they they have that line she's very like it, oh, it honest feels like I don't know. I I feel like as soon as she she comes into the movie, it feels like she's not gonna make it through the yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, like, so she's I, like the Harry Connick Jr. for him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but she is like I like like they kind of present her as like she's like a very honest, straightforward character. Like yeah, what I remember like I like there, that line yeah. where he's like like a whole lot of people are gonna be freaking out right now, and she's like, and I'm one of them. You know, she's like. Yeah. I don't know. I thought that was okay. <laughs> but um, Bill she's... Pullman. Sorry. No, she's very confident. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, straight. Like, she'll tell you basically like it is. Mm -hmm. But uh, Bill P Pullman as President Thomas J. Whitmore. 
he's the other example I think of of like obviously his big rah rah speech we'll talk about um as being like one of those like that like where it feels like oh I feel like I am watching like mm-hmm. <laughs> like this is like prop propaganda you know what I mean yeah. like in the most <laughs> effective way but also just the concept of him as like a like a ex uh Gulf War hero uh-huh. like because we used to, we used to elect presidents who were war heroes and stuff like yeah, that yeah we don't was, do like, that the exclusive thing for a long time we almost. haven't done that since yeah. like uh the eisenhower that used to be the thing though like yeah like like po- actually like i think post civil war like every republican president was like a general <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty much but like we don't we don't like after vietnam especially but um, like we lacked that like mm-hmm. national confidence and i i think this is like even just before anything happens like the idea of him being president is sort of like wish fulfillment you know because like the gulf war itself was supposed to be like this at the time people were like oh we can get over like vietnam now we've got like this war that we won real good and we were ambiguously good. I have, mm-hmm. you know, in quotes here. And so, like, the character himself, I feel like, is... We we have not... I wish We've not elected a Gulf War veteran president. Uh, at least I don't think. <laughs> we almost did. Um, Mayor Pete was in Afghanistan. That's close. Uh, but yeah, no, so like that itself is that, but he's so, he's so awesome in this movie. He's like the quintessential yeah. president very, uh, in a movie. Very neutral. Yes. They, they don't that's, go into his politics at all. The, yeah. The movie is the most, well, in, in such a nineties way, like the nineties, like, mm-hmm. like centri- centrist type, like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's basically, basically like I guess if uh if uh Bill Clinton was like less of a party guy <laughs> and was a, a veteran, you know. But like someone that's like just can be like this is like a, a cool guy who's like heroic. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like um and yeah, it's it's hard to like I don't know what else to say about like his big speech. Everyone knows mm-hmm. that. It's iconic, but there's there's also sort of this aspect at the beginning where it seems like a lot of the people are doubting him, mm. whatever his policies are. Yeah, like, someone's like, I voted for the other like, guy. He's uh, a younger guy. Yeah, <laughs> for less than probably half the age of our <laughs> recent right. presidents. Real presidents. Yeah. Well, he's like he's like like uh, that's why I mentioned Bill Clinton. Is yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, in a lot like, yeah, he was that. He's younger than our last few presidents, last couple of presidents. Yeah. You know? So, um, yeah, but yeah, like his, and then obviously like the, you know, we get a, it's to take that coolness, heroicness to another level. Obviously, like when he steps up and he flies, and it, mm-hmm. it's like, it's like hell yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. After giving the speech, he's gonna lead everyone in battle. Yeah. Like, it's just, uh, like, for being, because I, um, well, like, it's, it's, it is an ensemble. They do a very good job of, like, you know, spreading out who, who, everyone's stories and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. But, you know, when, when I, obviously, when I was growing up, 
the you know the real stars of the show weren't him obviously you know yeah but yeah he's awesome (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh let's talk about our our leads we'll talk about jeff goldblum first um but it's it they him him and will smith obviously have a great Mm -hmm. dynamic um let's talk about both of them jeff goldblum you love jeff goldblum uh yeah he's there's there's a lot of talk and i guess the features we we watched that like he's coming off of well a few years from one huge blockbuster into another yes this is um, like kind of the pinnacle for him in a way i mean yeah, he, he sort of had like a career not that he ever dipped but like when he started to do like you know like wes anderson movies and stuff like that he kind of took on a different role and obviously he had career in the decades prior to this but uh, mm-hmm. this was kind of like the peak of him in like the big uh, Hollywood movies, right? Yeah. <laughs> this um, is the most normal role I feel like he plays. Yeah. He's <laughs> just a regular guy. He's definitely a, like weirder in Jurassic Park. Oh, he's a, kind of a <laughs> he's freak eccentric. in Jurassic Park, yeah. He's still got like, I don't know, he, he's still a lot of times in Jurassic Park seems like the voice of reason. Yeah, for sure. Um. In this, he's, like, he's, like, goofy in the way he is, but, like, in an, like, in a more tame way that, like, you can imagine, like, you're, you're, like, kind of, kind of weird, like. Just your average. Yeah, yeah. You know, your co-worker. He's a very good everyman in this. You know, he's riding his bike in the office or whatever, he's like, whoa, this guy's crazy, you know, but not, (laughs) like, you know, not really crazy. Yeah. Yeah, he's great in this, and. Uh, we talked about the dynamic between him and his father. Obviously, is such a key component. But mm-hmm. I, and obviously, with Will Smith, who is, I think, like I said, all the elements of lightning in a bottle. Like, mm-hmm. I think Will Smith is actually the most important thing in this movie. Even though, yeah, you don't see him for the first so... half hour. Yeah, it takes a while. <laughs> He's just like so like, charismatic and. He's such he feels a star. Like, yeah, it feels like a movie star. <laughs> and this is like when we're watching when we're watching those behind the scenes things, they're talking about how he's on his ascent, which I mean, mm-hmm. like he is in a way. But like, this is also like like this both solidifies him. But then a year later with Men in Black, like this mm-hmm. is like his actual like powerhouse part of his career, I feel like. Yeah, he's a year his run. It, the, Obviously, it was like the Fresh Prince, and that was a big mm-hmm. hit. And he won, you know, musically and as a show, that was mm-hmm. massive. But then the year before this, he was in Bad Boys, mm-hmm. uh, amazing. And then after this, Men in Black. It's just like what a run, you know? Yeah. And all those movies, well, like there's, they're all built on actually his dynamic with someone else who is also awesome in those mm-hmm. movies. So I don't want to take away from them, but obviously he is such a charismatic presence and he's such a he's so cool like when i was a kid i was like this is the like i couldn't like like bill pullman is now someone who i you know i can see like now as an adult that people are like yeah this is like this is like the cool idealized like president character when Mm -hmm. i was a kid like i couldn't imagine anyone cooler than will smith (laughs) (laughs) like it was just impossible Uh uh-huh uh yeah just so much of the movie of him i don't know he's got obviously all these iconic lines and 
Mm-hmm. And qu- him and Jeff Goldblum, really, that I guess, you know, a lot of that was kind of you know improvised. I, yeah, that's what I was going to say. A lot of um, th- those two, as well as um, Judd Hirsch, mm-hmm. uh, their conversations were very improvised. Yeah. I Yeah, I, you can... I don't know, that's... It's, it's really good. <laughs> those were always some of the, like, I still remember from this and men in black and stuff like as a kid i just thought he was so funny Mm -hmm. and it still has a thing like where i watch it now and i'm like it's still you know like it some things that i think kids think are cool and there's elements of this are like a little silly there's Mm -hmm. some silly you know he's he's like oh i gotta get me one of these or whatever you know it's like silly but like he really sells you on it like i still think yeah he's awesome i definitely (laughs) think that the set of actors uh, really makes the movie. Like, I could see where if they had had a different set of actors. So much like, of this movie is very it, cheesy. It wouldn't have been, you know. Yeah, this could have just been like a real cheesy, like goofy movie, and it is. But it is. But but it, it feels. I think it walks like the line perfectly. Where epic it, and yeah, exciting. To- <laughs> Yeah, Fun. bombastic, you know. Um, like, yeah. there's, like, high stakes and danger, but it's also a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I was really freaked out when I was a kid when they were actually in the mothership. Yeah, I, I do remember, uh, like, feeling scared, nervous at a few parts of the movie. Yeah. Especially, Even- I think, most when uh, they've got the alien in the lab. Yes. And he, like... He's like communicating through um Brent Brent Spiner. Spiner, yeah. yeah. That was freaky to me. <laughs> and it's like it's something too that's like it's scary cuz there's like nothing it reveals really that there's nothing they can do other than kill them. Which mm-hmm. is another like way that it feels like propagandistic where it's like like they because the movie is like created an enemy where there's nothing you can really do except murder them which yeah i'm sure that happens you know obviously but like that's definitely a key to those types of films uh-huh. is to portray your enemy like that but yeah like yeah, I mean, very look, uh black and white yes but i i love it was like really scary when they got him and he's mm-hmm. like release me and they're like well what do you want or whatever and he's like well to kill all of you yeah so it's like like, jesus (laughs) so really the alien is just sort of hoping that you know by threatening him they'll release him because yeah like otherwise there's no recourse of uh debate or Mm -hmm. um some sort of agreement you know so yeah very cool (laughs) um but yeah will smith punching aliens and stuff like (laughs) really sick that was awesome yeah he just goes up God, I would have been so scared of that alien, but he just goes up to it. <laughs> He's not afraid. Yeah. Um, is there any other element of this movie proper that you want to discuss? There's more mm. things I want to talk about, but um, because it it does go on to you know sp- spawn a lot of other things. Oh, I wanted to talk yeah. about the awards too. I I I didn't write them down, but let me let me pull them up. I think I made a comment uh, while we were watching. I was like, this is the the vehicle part of the movie because it's like after the the first big attack Mm. and like you got some, you got a set of people who are on uh, the plane 
and you got you know Randy Quaid and his kids in the uh their uh trailer yeah and uh Jasmine's got her truck that she's picking up uh you know random survivors in they're, they're all like, just oh, this like level. traveling this and they're just like oh they're all going to that shot area 51 of all the trucks driving in the That's desert cool is shot. really cool there's a lot of great sets and location or like mm-hmm. locations they got too. like it's it's a cool well i want to say it's a globe spanning movie but it we really only see it from the American perspective. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the other thing. I Like, whenever I'm watching this movie and we get to the end, when they show all the other ships around the world that they've defeated, I'm always like, oh, I wonder how this battle went in, mm-hmm. in this part of the world. Well, that's something that's... Like, did they have somebody do a, <laughs> a suicide plane uh, into the ship? <laughs> Or did they all well, function no, they're, okay? They're like, oh, we destroyed it, so like everyone yeah. should be good. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, okay. Yeah. So that's like no that's one. No fine. one failed. Well, so well, that's a thing in the sequel. That I th- so I was thinking about other adaptations of this, and we talked about. I thought that beginning part of that radio play was cool mm-hmm. because instead of like, well, one thing that the the sequel kind of lacked i thought was like having will smith in it for example yeah. but i think the alternative route would be to instead of f- trying to focus on all the same characters and finding a reason is to just shift focus and i thought that was what was cool about the radio thing yeah and one element in the sequel film they talk about is one of the ships that landed it landed um in africa somewhere and all the aliens that were on the ship came out Mm-hmm. And they had to like fight a war with them, right? Right. Forever. It's like that's super interesting, and that the sequel does become kind of globe trotting, and uh-huh. it sort of makes me think like, why well, we are also reading about some of the books about how they showed other perspectives. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. there's like a lot here that you could really focus on. That's like more of a simple story, but obviously with the sequel, it's got to be we just got to have an even bigger fucking ship and all this stuff you know <laughs> yeah I'm like yeah there's like a lot of different perspectives that they could show not even as a sequel well, like well it could be a sequel you know like the the 10 year battle with the aliens in africa yeah is cool or like what the you know the british people were doing or mm-hmm. you know well, i don't know like there's a lot of stuff like that yeah especially they really like present it as like a whole a global thing but it feels very American focused. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah, really like the movie yeah. is a, a an effective piece of American propaganda <laughs> yeah. for sure. But you know, we're all whether you're a stripper or uh, a a weird uh uh Jewish dad <laughs> uh he's not weird actually. He's kind of a right relatively <laughs> normal cool. guy. He saved the world. I remember actually in the one thing we featured his original name was like so it was more over it was like more of a like stereotypical Jewish name or something he's like I can't play a character named this I think he said mm-hmm. and they're like well what should his name be and he, he was just like I don't know Julius he thought of Julius Caesar he said I love uh-huh. that they were just like sure whatever you're Julius now mm-hmm. okay I want to talk about some of the awards that I got not all of them and I was it made a crap load of money whatever we're not going to talk about that it made a ton of money it was the biggest movie in 1996 but some awards visual effects it got at the academy mm-hmm. awards that's cool 
it ran the gamut at Saturn Awards, which is like the big sci-fi award show they do. It got nominated for a bunch and it won, uh, what was it? Best Director, Best Science Fiction Film, you know. Some fun ones I want to talk about was it won Favorite Movie at the Kids' Choice Awards. <laughs> which some of these, we're actually probably going to talk about some of these award shows in because they happened in 1997. So we'll come back mm-hmm. to that. But I love that. But uh, Will Smith also got nominated for Favorite Actor at the Kids' Choice Awards. Mm-hmm. So I like to see what the kids are up to. Um, MTV Movie Awards. It won my favorite category at the MTV Movie Awards for Best Kiss <laughs> between Will Smith and Vivica Fox. Um, and it uh, Best Action Sequence, Al- Aliens Blow Up Cities. It was nominated for. I love wow. that category. But yeah. it got nominated a bunch there. Uh, and we mentioned the Grammy, of course. So that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... That's the main... Oh, well, here, I got the... I got the... Well, both Golden Raspberry and... What's the Stinker's Bad Movie Awards? Ne- what? Wow. Need, needless to say, <laughs> uh, and and I, I I know what people are getting at, but there there is a contingent of people who are just like, you know... Like, well, the movie didn't even really review that great. It's kind of right. mixed. But this is not the type of movie that I really expect to... Um, <laughs> to do like review particularly well in that regard it's sort of it is sort of this quintessential big dumb popcorn Uh movie uh that you know because of forces that came together is a little bit uh it's a cut above i Mm -hmm. think but it spawned some other things we talked about um the radio program we talked a little about the toys which we watched mm-hmm. that video where all the toys also came with these little uh, floppy disks where you could play little yeah. mini games on. That was quite a cool, yeah, very cool. Like they all, they all were like these little nonsense games where you just like click on a couple things. But I thought that was uh-huh. that was really cool at the time. I remember when I get would get something that's like, like, like a CD, like from a band mm-hmm. or something. Is like put this in your computer and it'll do something like that. Was a, that was such a yeah cool thing at the time but uh i want to see what you think about some of the concepts for the novels there were spin-off novels done uh both movies have novelizations but then the the second novel that ever came out was called uh independence day silent zone and it's set in the late 80s early 70s and it details the early career of dr oaken uh so sort of a Brent Spiner book. I could see that being cool, like almost having like a yeah, like a, maybe he has the uh, info yeah. X Files type. Oh, you know what situations. else? Um, I wonder if it talks about any of the alien, like using the alien tech as uh, Earth tech, because there was another. I don't, I don't know if it was deleted or an extended scene that got mm. shortened, but where they kind of, I don't know if it's implied or directly uh, said that current uh, Earth technology in Independence Day <laughs> was kind of uh, reverse engineered from alien tech right. that they found back, you know, in the in the 60s. Mm-hmm. But yeah, th- that would be interesting. I mean, they really they 
you couldn't you can't go back in the sequel they commit to that where they it's mm-hmm. it's like it's not a real like not that the first movie is like realistic but you know what i mean like the world it's set in is mm-hmm. realistic or in the sequel they're like we took all the alien tech and made yeah you know, lasers and <laughs> sentries yeah. for the planet so but yeah so you're saying like cell phones or something like that yeah, you know? just like computers and that's pretty cool i think they kind of were figuring out certain things from the aliens because they had tech something like that and that's how he could uh develop his laser that he had in the sequel <laughs> that was unrelated <laughs> it's yeah. like no i just call this the oaken laser <laughs> Okay, so we think that sounds like that could be a good book. Yeah, yeah. What? Maybe we'll read that. So maybe on a long drive, we'll find an oh, audio yeah. book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Independence Day, War in the Desert. These came out, like, a couple years after the movie. Like, all in the nine. These two in the 90s. Mm-hmm. So War in the Desert is about the two Royal Air Force officers that we see, like, communicating. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know what happens with them, but we see their perspective of it. So I think that's, I think that's cool. I think that's um, a, a yeah. good idea. I don't know about the execution, but it sounds like interesting. Less yeah, interesting than like Oaken. At least like the concept but... of the different perspectives. Yes. And then there's one book from 2016 called Independence Day Crucible that uh, bridges the gap between the two movies. I don't know what it's about at all, but it's just, it sounds like it's just there to kind of, I don't, I don't know if that's I mean, needed, but it could, could... be cool. Um, just, I don't know, maybe if they had had a good sequel. Yeah. Then it... Well, I kind of think maybe it could be cooler. (laughs) It could be... If it talks about, like, things like we're talking about, like, what was happening with some of these characters, it could be cool. I think they should just do a book of the original Independence Day sequel script. Because they had one where... where, uh or I don't know if they had a script, but they had a concept where Will Smith came back. He didn't die. Uh-huh. Yeah, that... So I'm curious to see how that would cool. have uh, unfolded. They should have made a movie or book or something where we go out and we kill the aliens. We go kill them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that'd be pretty cool. Final thing I wanted to talk about before we go... Um, because it's sort of a, and we already sort of talked about this on a previous set, but it's just sort of a interesting side thing in this is the movie Mars Attacks, mm-hmm. which I think is just in it. We well, we've talked about the the there's like a '90s alien phenomenon, but Mars mm-hmm. Attacks is interesting because it's basically a parody of this movie that they were making at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> but they kind of had the same idea in mind, but. Uh, what just one thing I that really stands out to me is just the tone of how they handled it. We sort of talked about the, the this is like, if you shifted like a classic Americana like propaganda movie to being about aliens, like, uh, Mars Attacks is almost like it's like a satirical version of it, because I I think I think it's funny because like every it's got that same thing where like there's there's nothing you can do to really reason with them except in mars attacks they make it such a joke like almost like everyone else is like like they the aliens come to earth and they like kill everyone that they meet there initially and they're like oh well okay like let's let's translate like or let's let's talk to them and get them to come 
talk to Congress and they kill everyone in Congress. <laughs> and the whole time there's like, there's like the two generals, there's like the Colin Powell guy who's like, he's like the, the yes man or whatever. But then there's the one guy who's just like, we got to blow him up. We got to kill him. We got to kill him. And he's right. <laughs> like the <laughs> war mongering, like bloodthirsty general is right. Like these aliens, like, just want to kill everything and and they're, they're assholes and mm-hmm. and they're like bugs bunny if bugs bunny was killing everyone they're like pranking everyone and murdering everyone and i think that i don't know um it does have like a i feel like it's not like i don't know if it has like a specific thing it's really pointed at. i think it's just trying to like poke fun at all that stuff it's really just a bunch of jokes but uh-huh. um you haven't really even seen the whole thing in full but uh, yeah. I just think it's interesting that I think I think it's a really good parody of that type of movie, which wasn't even mm-hmm. like a big thing when Independence Day was made. They were talking about how it does yeah. harken back to classical movies. And Mars Attacks goes for that because it uses a lot of like 50s mm-hmm. sci-fi military, you know, um, equipment and like designs and stuff. So I don't know. I just wanted to throw that in there, too. It's just a, another great snapshot of that time you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> and we and we saw how they used the white house sets on both yeah that's cool <laughs> and there's i don't know there's a lot of fascinating similarities but that would that we don't have time to get into all that of course well yeah so that kind of i mean is there do you have any final thoughts sort of on independence day as a whole i feel like we've kind of kind of said it all we sort of yeah. touched on everything Oh, there was yeah. a there was a video game uh, yes. for PlayStation that <laughs> I watched like a long play of of stuff and it looked like kind of it looked kind of like you know Star Foxy you're flying around shooting stuff, um, but it looked it looked kind of um, kind of looked like phone I don't know it looked low budget or something like that like mm-hmm. the it just had like some clips from the movie but it didn't really look like much was going on other than like fly around and shoot the stuff i i didn't get a chance to try it out though neither of us did so Mm -hmm. Uh, i can't say too much about it but it didn't look i did see andrew shared with us when you beat it it tells you to go outside (laughs) (laughs) so i like that touch grass yeah in in some words Uh, (laughs) but i don't know it didn't look very it just looked like you're shooting stuff in the various settings of the movie so you know whatever <laughs> uh well we i'd like to that's kind of a side note but i'd like to cover some playstation games uh eventually on the show like some mm-hmm. contemporary games maybe we won't, i'd like to do it on, i'd like to get a playstation at some point maybe you know we're not go as hard but you know maybe once in a while drop a bonus so mm-hmm. but we're probably not going to do independence day i'm gonna save yeah. it for something more <laughs> fun more yeah. worth our time uh so sorry to the game but <laughs> um but yeah it was pretty fun uh like i said any anything else you you want to say about independence day uh i think we about yeah i think it's definitely to me it's a 90s classic it's a 90s classic yeah yeah We're something gonna... i can just put on anytime and have a good time i want to cover more 90s classics too We'll do we'll do more movie episodes for sure. Um some big ones like this or important ones or whatever, you know. What uh, I don't know. Let us know. Leave a comment of 
other movies you think that might be good to cover. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We like watching movies as well as playing games. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, sweet. Thanks everyone for listening. Um, of course, our artwork uh, was done by Corey, and our music was made by Nico, our two dear pals. Uh, thank you so much to them mm-hmm. for helping us get the vibe right on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said at the top, you can whatever you're, whatever you're listening on, go, go to whatever, however you're listening, go and rate, like, review, subscribe, thumbs up, <laughs> whatever platform. There's a way to uh, let us know you're liking it. Uh, we'll try to shout you out. We really appreciate that. It's it's definitely uh-huh. helped out a lot. Um, we're on we're on Blue Sky, the social media mm-hmm. platform. We're Flashback sixty four on there. Uh, we have the Patreon, as we mentioned, only one dollar. Uh, Patreon.com slash Flashback sixty four. We're on Twitter or X or whatever um, at Flashback sixty four pod. You can email us even if you want to email us. <laughs> We're flashback64pod at gmail.com. And we have a Discord, which has been It's popping flourishing. Up. It's flourishing. Everyone There's loves There's always combos going on. There's all types of things to talk about. We're talking about food, we're talking mm-hmm. about movies, we're talking about games, obviously, wrestling. Um, if, you, if, you, if there's a topic you think we need to bring to the table, let us know. Uh, but. There's a lot of a link in the description of the show to uh, to come join. So come join us there. Um, but yeah. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you soon. Oh, boys, I'm back.